Powered by Reb Media in partnership with TSN, it is Season 5, Episode 41 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. Uh, presented by our title sponsor, Ray Canadian Club Whiskey, yeah. who have released the Invitation Series, the Canadian Club 15-year-old Cherry Cask, Signature CC Classic 12-year-old Whiskey, finished with a secondary aging in Oloroso Cherry Casks. A uh, good episode ahead. We have breaking news out of Columbus, which we will get to in the Tim Hortons headlines. Yarmo Kekalainen out as general manager. Uh, stadium series this weekend, which is mm-hmm. always fun when you're there, as we talked about earlier this week. Flyers and Devils, Flyers president uh, Keith Jones will join us to talk about that. Play of his team. And, of course, we've got the trade deadline coming up. So a yep. lot to get to this week. Yeah, it's... Um... Sometimes it feels like there's not much going on. And then, you know, you you text us this morning and said, uh, oh, breaking news here with, from Columbus. And and then we got the stadium series. And you're yeah. like, oh, all of a sudden there's like kind of a lot of things <laughs> going on. And so, yeah, there's uh, yeah, lots to get to here. Yeah. Well, let's get to it. Uh, the headlines brought to you by Tim Hortons. Hey, add the perfect blend of heat and sweet to your next lunch or dinner with Tim's new sweet chili chicken loaded wrapper bowl it's packed with hearty ingredients like tasty grains lettuce fresh tomatoes and cucumbers and of course your choice of crispy or slow cooked chicken so yeah you know, before you line. start before you start here yeah yeah when we were talking about timmy's so you know what my dad used to do i don't know why i just remembered this <laughs> this is such a that generation thing i think so okay. he'd get his coffee he loved donuts okay Maple donuts. Oh, nice. Right. Always like maple glaze? The maple, maple glaze. glaze. Okay. Maple glaze. Yeah. yeah. Always dip it in his coffee. Black coffee? No, a little cream. Okay. But when I think of that, I could just picture him like he'd break it in half, you know, so it could fit yeah. in a cup and like dip it in there and the donut would come out of there. <laughs> like a sponge. And you're Fun. like, what it are was you delicious. Doing? Oh, he loved it. I'm just, I just, when you were reading the Tim Hortons, yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh yeah, I remember that. He's just like dunking it in there. It was but as And as you tell that story, this is not a shameless plug. Tim Hortons and the brand have done an unbelievable job of the iconic memories, right? You know, right. we've all seen the, the, the commercial after commercial after commercial around major hockey events. Uh, you know, the, the, the Gordie Howe, Mario Lemieux, Wayne Gretzky, where they're by the pond. I mean, amazing. Oh, yeah. on. So you're describing this experience with you as a young lad and your father. And yeah. that's what Tim Hortons is all about. I'm glad you interrupted for that story, oh. right? That's a I was just a, It was weird. It just popped in. Like, got a, must be uh, some loose ends up there somewhere. I love it. All right. So from the positive of Tim Hortons to the <laughs> negative of what's going on in Columbus. Um, yeah. Yarmo Kekalainen out as general manager. Uh, John Davidson, the president, will uh, he will handle the general manager duties moving forward. They've acknowledged that the process of hiring a GM will commence immediately doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to hire anyone soon that's that's a task right because Mm -hmm. when you look around the nhl and i'm not just going to randomly throw out names of of all the great cap guys out there assistant general managers qualified women all of that because we need to do some work and allow the process to unfold but this is the least surprising thing that has happened in hockey to date with all due respect to Yarmo. He's had his run. 
He has, um, there is a mammoth job in front of whomever is going to be hired there. Uh, the the one thing that has happened in Columbus is you cannot define exactly what they're trying to be. And part of that is when there's a few loose ends, then pretty soon there's a couple of more, and then you're so far away from what you intended to be that yeah. the two don't even sync up. So look at what's gone on in the last, just the last couple of years in Columbus. They signed Johnny Goudreau as a free agent. That's supposed to push them to a playoff competitive team, right? And yeah. it doesn't. Um, Patrick Line is there. He's struggled. He's been injured. He's now in the player's assistance program. They decide for some reason to bring in Mike Babcock at the start of the year. That explodes before they even start. And so now all of a sudden, instead of a loose end, there's things fraying all over the place. They do have some really, really good young players, like really yeah. good. And they're going to get another high draft pick this year. But eventually that's really nice. But you have to have a more clear and decisive direction. And that's really yeah. the challenge I see as to what should be, really should be a very good market in yeah. Columbus. And um, so out goes Yarmo. Now the pretty clearly they weren't going to let him get through the trade deadline and make whatever moves are, you know, going to impact their team going forward if he was yeah. not going to be the guy. And then to hire a new GM, I, I mean, there's all kinds of names that, you know, that you intimate drags that are working through the business and some are guys that have been out there before. Some have not been there before. And it's yeah. a, it's, it's a time worthy task for sure. And, and I'm, I don't expect you to supply an opinion, you know, it, 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 endorsing or otherwise on this name, okay? Mm -hmm. I do wonder, though, if the National Hockey League allows Stan Bowman to get back into hockey mm -hmm. management. And if Batman clears Bowman, if the Columbus Blue Jackets would be as bold as to say, all right, you know, here's a guy who's proven that he can win as a general manager, we understand everything that went down in Chicago. He's paid his price. Uh, it's time. I, I'm not saying, you know, that that's going to happen, but it does kind of feel like if there's a time to get Bowman back into the banks, maybe a fit like that does make some sense. And it's not like Yarmo Kekalainen, you know, went to, to his ownership and said, I'm hiring Mike Babcock. It doesn't matter what you think. He's the next coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm. That's not how those things go down, right? Like everybody right. is involved in that conversation. So we'll see how it all plays out. But there'll be lots of high-qualified candidates that are going to be keenly interested for all of the hockey reasoning that you've supplied here. So well, and just think there's, there's, there's all these, you know, you bring up Bowman's name, and certainly that's got to start at, yeah. at the commissioner's office to see that it, if he's even eligible or not. But just think of in every front office, people that are waiting for an opportunity to interview for a general manager's position. Uh, think of those that, um, that maybe are, aren't in a front office right now that are experienced and are just sitting there waiting for a yeah. chance to interview. Like you're not, if I'm 
in charge of that process, I'm not talking to to two people. No. I, I'm talking to six or eight. Agreed. And those six or eight are after I've done some look sees on yeah. about twenty. Like there is yeah. there are plenty of candidates and now you've got to just try and find the one that fits for you. And and look, we're blowing apart headlines here a little bit, but it is breaking <laughs> news and it's a it's a huge story. And as as you're talking, I'm thinking about okay, well, what about Rick Nash? Now, Rick Nash may not, from a family standpoint, he's got young kids, want to embrace everything that goes into a general manager's job. I can tell you firsthand, this guy's working at it, though. And maybe okay. there's another role. Maybe there's... You know what? You know what? Who do we have coming on to talk here in a little bit? Keith yeah. Jones. Yeah. Yeah. A president yeah. of hockey operations in Philadelphia. Yeah. When I think of the Columbus Blue Jackets, if there's one name that stands out, it's Rick Nash. Yeah. And why can't and shouldn't Rick Nash be at the top of that pyramid? Unless he doesn't want to for family Correct. reasons. Correct. I'm with 100%. you, man. Yeah. yeah. And look around the league, right? You know, Kevin Adams in Buffalo was, was you know, handed the general manager's office. Um, you can go around the league and identify that type of, of candidate. So undoubtedly, his name will be out there immediately. And it, it, it deservedly should be. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to chew on when it comes to Columbus and what that process looks like moving forward here on the podcast. Um, let's revisit some of the other big stories this week. Morgan Riley gets five games for the cross check on Ridley Gregg of the Ottawa Senators. Man, this one had drama around it more so than any suspension that I can recall recently, recently. Now, the tipping point was the number of games that somehow leaked to Kevin Weeks before the team or the player was told. Well, nobody involved is happy with that. Certainly not Riley, the Maple Leafs, but assuredly not George Barrows and the Department of Player Safety. But doesn't it just seem fitting that that would happen involving the Leafs? Because this is where we go back to what Sheldon said prior to the announcement that it was an in-person hearing. The, the noise in Toronto, the market size of Toronto, this couldn't have worked out better in creating the drama that it did, that that five-game suspension would get leaked out before the team and the player knew about it. I mean, it, it really, quite frankly, should never happen, but no, it just did. Um, we have to, okay, let's take a little bit of the drama out of this. It's an in-person hearing, so we know it's five games. Right, yes. So it wasn't going to be one when he has an in-person hearing offered to him. So let's not pretend that everybody's gobsmacked that it was five because he had an in-person hearing. Like, what did you no. think it was going to be? I, aside from the nonsense of the discussion about it, considering the plays that do happen during the course of the year that are just as egregious or more so, um, I, I think the biggest problem is when we touched on this uh, on whatever day it was, Tuesday, is that yeah, yeah. a play happens. I think most people should have a general ballpark dregs as to what that suspension is going to be. I don't think they Don't should all agree. get it right. It should be, no. oh, that's in the two to three range. That's in the four to five range, something like that. And honestly, nobody's got a clue. No, no. And, and that, that to me, more than anything, is the, is the thing that puts a burr in everybody's yeah. pants. 
So like, let me let is... me just interject here because yep. you, you nailed it for me. And I've been kind of on the fence and and you've been you've been adamant on this on on a standard needing to be established. So I use the Blake Lazat suspension, the one gamer where you remember he circles back in the play to go after Josh Morrissey in front of the bench. Morrissey yep. drops his gloves, g- drops his stick. He believes an altercation is about to happen and Lazat cross-checks him in the face. And he got a one-gamer for that. So I spooled that out because I know that that's part of the frustration from a lot of hockey people, not just the Maple Leafs. And, man, did I take heat from the NHL for that because they're like, well, one is borderline an attack, Morgan Riley. This one was two players engaged. I'm like, all right, so if I cross-check you in the face, (laughs) face-to-face, that's different? Like, it's not like Ridley Gregg knew that there wasn't going to be something coming. He didn't deserve to get cross-checked the way he did by Morgan Riley. So a suspension right. was worthy. Yes, but you're never going to convince me that there's a four-game gap between you and I looking at each other and you cross-check me in the face as opposed to me skating up you know, beside you and trying to crab me in the shoulder and it rides up and hits the other guy in the face. No, but the reason that there should be no difference is now you're saying, I should have expected that. Yeah. Like, come on. What, what should I be expecting? Like, that you're going to cross-check me in the face? Yeah, like I guess. So I, I think, I I think as as I mentioned, like the the it would be nice to have a general sense when a play happens. I think it would help the leagues, uh, the view of the league and the suspension process, if people had the general idea. Yeah, everything gets slivered down so small that. It creates confusion most times. Well, if you see this and his stick turned this way because his elbow got hit on the other side, holy yeah. smokes, man. Like the most times you can look at a play and go, that should be a suspension. And, and you don't really have a- any, any yeah. qualms about saying that. I, I, they're trying, they're trying so hard to make this more complicated than it needs to be, even though it's not as straightforward as we'd all like. I mean, there's, there are lots of mitigating circumstance, but oh my gosh, this gets so complicated. Nobody's got a clue what the hell it's going to be. And that, that's not right. It it should be dialed in. Yeah. And every time we ask about why isn't it, well, that's too complicated. It has to be individual case by case. No, the reason it's so complicated is because you, enforce it being case by case, right? If, if, if Morgan Riley knew that a cross check that high puts him in the realm of a five plus game suspension, right? Maybe he makes certain, even though it's a snap show event to get him in the arm or the hip or something lower, you know? And but here, here Gra- just- Drake, the, the point to that is at least it becomes a thought to the player. Yeah. Agreed. You can, I, like, I hate when the media goes, we've got to get that play out of the game. Yes, we I do. Know. Yeah. But it's still going to happen because lots of things happen and it still might be a lousy play and it still might be a suspendable play and it probably will be. But yeah. all you can do is this is the moment. We know a stick penalty, um, uh, a, two, a cross-check penalty is going to be in this sort of range. As yeah. long as the players understand that and the teams understand that, I think you're moving forward. All right. And speaking of moving forward, how how about we wrap up headlines with, I think it's a fun and an interesting story. And that is the story of Phil Kessel arriving in BC, 
right? And this is so oh, typical, yeah. typical of a Canadian market, and I love it. You know, I had the conversation with Wade Arnett when the story broke on Tuesday night. <laughs> He's the agent for Phil Kessel, and he said, oh, my God, this is so, again, typical of Canada. Kessel arrives at the airport in Vancouver. Somebody spots him, <laughs> snaps a couple of pictures, and boom, here we go. We've got a story now because the Canucks aren't going to deny their interest. And so it's acknowledged that he's skating in Abbotsford. You know, it's a test drive. They want to see him. He wants to see how he feels. But there are three or four other teams that are kind of circling above as well. Um, so how might he fit in Vancouver? Maybe aside from the obvious. I. I call Rick Tockett the Kessel Whisperer, so I, I feel like that's the connection. But how do you see the fit if it works out? Well, uh, okay, so we're going to assume it works out because there's a, <laughs> yes between yeah. now and then <laughs> there's a lot that has to happen. Like right, I don't know right. if you saw the video of Phil skating yesterday, and like <laughs> between did. drills, oh my gosh, he needed a tank, like he he needed some air and. You can skate by yourself all you want. I don't know how much he's been skating or not skating, but you get out there into a practice and, you know, it's relentless and <laughs> holy smokes. I'm sure he went, oh, like you could just hear it in his voice. Man, this is hard. You know, like how hard it is, right? And so let's assume something happens and they go, you know what? He's worth a chance on a minimum contract, which is what it would be for the rest of the year. What if he could get you on your second power play two or three goals? What yeah. if he could get you on your fourth line a couple of goals here and there? Like maybe that becomes Oof. something that's valuable in and out of your lineup, depending on your opponent. I'll go back to <clears throat> when the Blackhawks won uh, one of their Stanley Cups. They made a, a deal, a first-round pick for Antoine Vermette. And he was no good for about six weeks and they got deeper in the playoffs and all of a sudden he kind of found his game and he was he became a face-off guy for them in a role that they didn't suspect but he played right. a really key port part and they ended up winning like he didn't play a big part but he played no, a key part. he was a piece yeah Right. And so everybody's looking for a little edge, a little piece. Look, Jimmy Rutherford's known Phil forever. Rick yeah. Tockett's known Phil forever. And so there would be some comfort of what type of person he is. By the way, whatever people think of Phil as a player, you can talk to anybody that's played with him. Love him. And they, they love him. Yeah. And so there is no fear that you're bringing in a guy that's going to upset a room's chemistry, zero chance. He's going to sit in the corner. He's going to drink his coffee. He's going to have, <laughs> he's going to say a few funny things and yeah. he's going to go out and he's either going to be able to play or he won't. And, mm -hmm. and that's what they'll look at. Uh, I, I, again, as you're explaining all that, which I completely concur with, I mean, you're talking about a great career here. He, he could hit the 1300 games played Mark um, could hit 1000 points. I mean, uh, he's just had a tremendous impact on the National Hockey League. But as you're talking, I'm thinking of the Pierre Maguire interview where they're on the oh. bench and he's like, how's your breath? <laughs> and not and good, Phil, eh? <laughs> Phil thinks he's talking about he's got bad breath. He was talking about his wind. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, he's such a character. Uh, anyway, we'll By the way, you know the, other thing, you know the other thing I yeah. think of, Phil? You're talking about that 
about that interview. Yeah. I, I think every time. Good one, Randy. Good one, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the best one of the one of the best all right those are your headlines thank you to tim hortons introducing tim's new sweet chili chicken loaded wraps and bowls packed with delicious and hearty ingredients and topped with our new sweet chili sauce try tim's sweet chili chicken loaded wraps and bowls today our interviews on Ray and Dregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of sherry. All right, there he is, Keith Jones, the president of the Philadelphia Flyers, joining us on the Ray and Dregs Hockey Podcast. And Jonesy, okay, you were hired as president in May of uh, last year. I mean, any sense, any sense at that point that your Flyers would be a playoff team at this stage of the NHL regular season? Well, I, I think you always hope that you will be, Dregs, but there's there's no question that there was a lot of work that needed to take place in order to get us in a position where we, where we would be right now. Um, thinking back to the start of the regular season, I remember looking at our team with Danny and we're kind of looking at all the pieces and thinking, you know what, we're, I think we're a lot better than people think. Um, we don't want to say that, but I do think that uh, both of us felt like there was a lot of key ingredients that were going to help us get back to where this team needed to get to. Uh, we're not there yet, but there has been a lot of positive things happening, including Sean Couturier being available mm -hmm. to play after missing two full seasons. I think that's probably where a lot of our confidence was coming from based upon how well he looked prior to training camp and then during training camp. Um, I do think that gave us some uh, some level of confidence that the team was going to be a lot better with him in the mix. When when you got hired in May, Jonesy, did there, was there like one sort of path you wanted to follow or did there feel like there was roads flying all over the place that this had to be fixed. This had to be changed. I want to do this. Like, how do you mesh the two of like doing one thing at a time and having a hundred to do? Yeah, there, there was one clear path in, in my eyes. Um, and John Tortorella started to lay the foundation of that in the previous season. Um, and one of the main reasons that I felt like we could accomplish some things in the near future. Uh, and that was fixing the room. Uh, towards got in there, recognized that it wasn't working the way that it was constructed and that, you know, some addition by subtraction was necessary and then some addition by quality players coming back from injury and additions being added like Ryan Paling and Garnet Hathaway, Mark Stahl uh, would go a long way in reestablishing the type of culture that we wanted um, in that Flyers locker room. And I do think that is the number one contributing factor to why we've been a very good team that plays together. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I might have this totally wrong as to what the hell a president does, but um, it's not just the hockey team. Like your, your desk is big. Like, you, you know, you guys <laughs> changed the logos on the ice. You wanted to, you know, reconnect with the past and bring back some of that flyer way that, you know, we all admired for, for years and years. And so the president's job is much bigger than the team, correct? 
I, I guess if you looked at it like that, yes. I, I do think that it was about reestablishing a trust with our fan base. I think mm-hmm. that had been lost. I, I do think that reconnecting with our past, not solely focusing on the past, but you know, getting the feeling back of what it was like to be a flyer, I think it mattered. Um, I think that's been something that has really been addressed and is in a much better place than it was before. So that is part of the responsibility. Uh, we had an alumni game against the Bruins going back probably three weeks ago. And there was 13,000 people that <laughs> bought tickets to come out and watch the old guys play. And But the looks on the faces of the older players coming back was back to the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And that had gone away for about five years. So that's when I started to feel like, okay, the mojo's starting to come back here. The fans are starting to appreciate some of the smaller things that we're doing uh, at the same time as keeping an eye on the big picture. So I think in, in threading the needle in certain situations, we've done a pretty good job of reestablishing where we are today and where we want to get to in the future. And, and look, we know communication is key. And the communication between you and your general manager, Danny Briere, your head coach, John Tortorella, um, is probably hourly. It's certainly daily, right? Like there's an open line of communication on all things hockey ops. I know you love the job, Jonesy, but what's the most challenging part of being the president of hockey ops? Well, there's the the unknowns. You know, you have you go. I have one daughter, which you guys know, and yeah, you go from worrying about that kid, and now I worry about you know a hundred <laughs> kids, and it's yeah. it's very similar. So I think you always want to make sure that you're on top of you know everything that you can be. And you want to make sure that you're doing everything you can to keep that feeling of team chemistry at the top of the charts. And being around the team matters. I think that the kids are different today. Uh, they they like feedback. They like to be feeling like you're involved and that they can have a conversation with you at any time. And uh, Danny's great at that. Torts has done an extremely good job of uh, being accessible when necessary being tough when necessary, and really balancing out what it takes to be a National Hockey League coach and get you know, the most out of your players. Um, I do think it's a combination of a lot of different elements that have helped us you know, kind of be in a position that we're in right now, which is better than most people thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So you, you mentioned torts, and you know, we're, we're always, as you, know, you were in the media last year, we're always entertained when – when Torts goes off on a little sidetrack there. And um, what have you learned about him? Because those that have had the chance to get to know him a little bit know he's a far different person than the guy that stands in front of the microphone. But what maybe have you learned that's been a bit of a surprise uh, about the way Torts goes about things? There's not a lot of surprises for me. Ray, because I worked with him. I worked with him with you guys at TSN. And I got to know him as a person um, and got to kind of have some inside hockey conversations um, after the show and, you know, sitting at the airport there at the Sheridan before you head back out to the U.S. Um, So I had some pretty good insight and a good feel for what John Tortorella was all about. Uh, There has not been any surprises in that regard. He is... uh, He's an incredible coach. He is, he is 
somebody that um, when you hang out with him and have the opportunity to do that, you learn a lot. Um, you need to keep an open mind and you need to be there. And he listens as well, too. He's not just all of – he is about making his team as good as it can possibly be. And uh, he's got Danny there. He has myself. We have a guy – that's leading the way in Dan Hilferty that's done an incredible job of, you know, keeping it all together. And we're in a good place as far as our, our leadership is throughout the organization. And that's something that um, I think Torts is very respectful of. And really all of us are, we're, tr we're trying to do it together. When did you know you wanted to do this? I mean, you're, you're a fabulous broadcaster for a long time. And, um, and then, I, I don't know how you did it, but like nobody knew anything, nothing. Still pisses then, me off. Then, <laughs> that's, that's the best. And then all of a sudden, the you know the thing comes out over over social media. The Flyers have an announcement: new president Keith Jones. Where we were like, what the hell just happened here? Like, when did you know you wanted to do it and 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 say, you know what? I I think I need a, a new challenge. It uh, it's it didn't happen overnight. I can tell you that. I I had to think about it because, as you guys know, it, your your jobs are awesome, you know, and and you guys all do a great job, and and everyone's different field or every everyone's different niche. I love doing what I did. Um, I had a great time with it. It was not an easy decision to make, and I had been asked before and said no. And then it just, the timing just seemed to be right. And I started thinking about where I was at in my life. And, you know, I'm 55 now. And I thought, why not have another challenge? I remember my dad retired at 55. He was a superintendent of education back in Brantford. <laughs> and I'm just getting started is the yeah. way it feels. And I'm, I'm glad about that. So it's been invigorating. It's been, um, it's been a pretty cool transition and it's been an, it's felt natural to be honest, surprisingly to me, mm. like there's been, you know, it's just been a really so far a good transition and obviously team success makes it feel a lot better. Huh. Um, but at the same time, we're pretty focused on, on the future and we want to make sure that um, we're making the right moves. And that's, that's a challenge that uh, feels pretty good. Losing sucks again. And that's right. kind of neat too. Like I hadn't felt that since I played. You know, when you do the the broadcast, as you guys know, if the broadcast is good, yeah, you feel pretty good about it for a minute, and then you go you go home, and that's the end of your night. Now, if we lose, it's bugging you, and you're trying to fix it. And when you lose five in a row, like we did just prior to the break, you're just you know pounding yourself in the head, wondering how how are we going to get this back on track. So that's been pretty cool to feel the losses and just how much it means to you and. And even your family, how they feel. My daughter's watching. My wife are watching games again. It's a it's a pretty cool experience. Um, you said something there, Jonesy. It, it, it you know the Flyers are there's lots of conversation as we get within a couple of weeks of the deadline. You're in this to us was a, is a pretty surprising place and a real solid place. And then you've got the future to look at, and there's all kinds of things that circulate around the Flyers. How do you navigate all of that? The, the future, the possible assets it could bring back, the way you are now, it's, it's a tough, tough line to walk on. It, it is. And, you know, having someone like Danny Breer around to run everything by and to have him in conversation with me every day, 
multiple times is pretty valuable. Um, he's a really bright general manager. He's made a couple of really solid moves so far. And uh, I have all kinds of faith that he's going to come up with the right decisions to make here. I'm, I'm there to provide him insight, um, support, and make sure that, you know, we go, go over everything. But Danny's going to make the final decisions on those um, potential trades, if they happen at all. Yeah. Uh, but we do have guys that people want. There's no question mm -hmm. about that. And we have to listen on everything. There's no doubt it's clear in our minds that we have to get better in the future if we're going to win a Stanley Cup. When you look at teams like Florida and you play Florida, you realize mm. you have a long way to go. Mm. And uh, that's where we want to be. We want to get there. We want to be consistently in the mix. And Florida's established that right now over the last three seasons. And that's, that's a team that we look at and say, hey, at some point we want to be like that. So many key pieces, Keith, of, of the Philadelphia Flyers makeup are being speculated on, though, right? And, you know, some of them make sense, some of them don't. You know, I think of Scotty Lawton, who Torts recently referred to as a glue guy. He's playing well again. Morgan Frost, you know, kind of in and out. But right now, he's one of your best forwards. So if we are willing to park them aside, and I know you're listening, as you just said, on just about everything. Most of the speculation has been around two key defensemen in Nick Sealer and, and Sean Walker. And if, capital IF, if the right deals are presented and you move those pieces out, is there an equal chance or an opportunity that you'd consider re-signing those guys in the offseason if they don't extend and they're unrestricted free agents? Yeah, under, under that scenario, the answer is absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. uh, we're not in our the position we're in right now without those two players. And... Danny was the guy that wanted Sean Walker. He had watched him numerous times with L.A. He knew that, you know, the Kings were getting in a situation where they may have to move out some players because of the salary cap. And Sean Walker was a player that he targeted. Um, we, we think the world of Sean as a player and a person and the way that he's handled this situation has been outstanding. Uh, and we're in constant conversation with him. Uh, we're in the room all the time, both Danny mm. and I, and, and Dan Hilferty as well. Um, we're with the guys day in, day out. And we have an open line of communication with our players. So, yeah, the answer is yes. They are players that fit the type of um, character that we want. Uh, Nick Sealer is all character. He is an incredible individual and has done an incredible job for us. Um, so, yes, the answer would be yes. If they were moved, uh, we would want them back. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Jonesy, I just uh, had a thought about Sean Couturier and how much he means to your team. And, like, you, you drop this big horse back in the middle of your lineup and everything kind of falls into place behind him. Um, you you guys named him the captain and that's a, a pretty cool thing for him and for the team. And what, um, what kind of goes into picking a captain? Because it's not a six week thing, right? Like you're yeah. talking about now in the future and what goes into selecting him as your captain? So Torts makes that selection. That's, that's his decision. He is, uh, he's interesting. I, I just remembered in talking to, John before the season started and he said I don't want to put extra pressure 
on Sean Couturier now. He goes, I know he leads. I know the things that he does. But he's coming back after missing two years. I just want him to play. And he said, I'll know when it's time to name a captain. Um, I think it's the first time that Sean has been healthy to play for Torts. So it took Torts time to make sure, and I believe that's the right way to do it, to make sure that he was the guy to lead the Flyers. Not based on anything he'd done previously, but based on what he's doing hmm. presently and what we believe he's going to do in the future. And that is all the head coach. The timing of this is the head coach. Um, he asked us about it, of course. And, uh, but that, this is his decision. This is John Tortorella saying, I know my room. My room's in a good place. And Sean Couturier's got a lot to do with that, both on and off the ice. So we're, we're really proud of him. Nice. He's another really uh, good guy. And having him available has been a huge plus for us. I think oh, it no. took a while. He was getting used to being hockey hurt again. You know, huh. the slashes on the thumb and the cross checks and the, in the uh, arms or the or the back have all you know kind of, he's getting used to that again but it does right. take some time there's no doubt he's done a great job and i'm really happy that he's the captain jonesy we'll let you go i know ray is part of this but we've got the stadium series coming up the yep. outdoor game this weekend uh how excited are you about that and do you get to wear the the fur hat or what sort of attire what sort <laughs> of you know outdoor game stadium series uniform do they have for keith jones yeah, I'm not even sure to be honest with you. You know me, Greg. I don't. I show up, and whatever's there, I put on. I'm not. I'm not dressing myself. I can guarantee there will be no tie. I, <laughs> yeah, no, hundred no. percent. I love the no tie president. I love no, it. no, no tie and no more makeup, Ray. Those days are done. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it, it'll be great, though. I'm looking forward to it, guys. I'm glad you're going to be there, Ray. Um, you know, when this season started, I didn't think we'd be sitting in a position where we're in and around those teams that are in this weekend series. Um, the Rangers, of course, have had a great year. The Islanders are starting to come together with Patrick Waugh there. The Devils are just starting to heat up. And mm -hmm. somehow we've remained in the conversation. So we're, we're really pleased that at this point um, we're there and we're going to really enjoy it. But uh, at the same time, we're going to go out there and, you know, compete hard and see if we can find a way to win another one. Fantastic stuff. Jonesy, thanks for doing this, man. We appreciate it. Anytime, guys. Thank you very much. See, see you, you this weekend, Jonesy. Yep. See you, Ray. So, Ray, uh, Keith Jones is just, he's been the same forever, which right. is always a mark of high character, right? But as, as, as you're listening to Keith Jones describe how much fun he's having, the challenges that he's had to embrace, where they're at with the trade deadline approaching, I, you know, does that, and he talked about the juice that you get from winning and losing. As a former player, you know, do you not sit there and go, geez, I miss that. That's, that's what I miss. And I mean, I know you love your job, but there, there's no way you're not sitting there going, yeah, I understand wholeheartedly what he's what, talking what about. He's doing, yeah. What he's doing, I'm listening to him and going, I want to do that. <laughs> that's, I, I'm not, not even, I was like, that is exactly the yeah. position that I see that would be so interesting. <laughs> and here's, oh, I, I, yeah, more than, more than <laughs> I have in the past thought about it. When yeah. I look at Jonesy though, I think he's such an interesting guy because he played 
the funny guy, the clown a lot mm-hmm. because he's super funny. Yeah. He really is. He's, he's understated, hilarious guy, but he's also extremely smart. And Jonesy would let you think whatever you wanted to think about him, but, but he's in the right spot. He yeah. really is. He's, um, they've made some big changes there, um, already, uh, aside from on the ice and they, they are re-engaging a fan base. Yeah. And that's, that's critical for them because the, the worst thing that can happen to a team is it, uh, its fans are apathetic about what they're doing. And, you know, Jonesy and Danny Briere and John Tortorella and the president um, of the Flyers that they mentioned, um, whom I've never met, but they've, they've changed the way that they want to approach the Flyers to the community and on the ice. And it's, it's been a hit and it's, Mm -hmm. it's good to see him because he's a really, he's a really good guy to be around. He really is. Well, as we plugged, you'll be a part of this. It is the stadium series this weekend, uh, the Flyers and the Devils. So you're heading east and uh, looking forward to it, right? I mean, these spectacle yep. events are always fun. Yeah, they. Uh, I am. It's 70,000 people both nights or, well, Saturday night and Sunday afternoon. Uh, the volume of people is going to be <laughs> remarkable. Um, I, I, I am. I'm a little worried about the packing. It seems like it's going to be cold. Oh, and yeah, and so let's be honest. When I'm standing between the benches, there, I'm thinking about one thing, and that's warmth. There, yeah. my little, you know, I, I'll have the little, you know, those hot pocket things jammed in my shoes, and trying to not freeze my ass off as I'm down there. And uh, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the games and Flyers, Devils, Rangers, Islanders, and so some, um, you know, some rivalry games that you don't have to build up. They're there anyway. And it'll, right. be, it'll be fun because there's going to be a pile of folks there to watch. What yes, do you got going, Drake? Nah, just more of the same, right? I, I'll be watching from my comfy couch, so I won't have to worry about the weather conditions. Although yep. there's snow that's drifting into the GTA uh, today as we record Thursday. Um, I have the Leafs-Flyers game tonight, so a bit of a preview of what we can expect from the Flyers on the weekend. Other than that, no, it's going to be relatively quiet. So looking nope. forward enjoy to it, too. and uh, we will. Uh, yeah, we'll get through the weekend, and we'll be back here on Tuesday. But thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, have a safe and a good weekend. Yes, sir, and thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Riggs, our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, and Tim Hortons. Until next time, Tuesday. Stay safe, everyone. <laughs>